Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second cap and first cap and whatever. It's on New Year's Day every year, but it dawns on me. I'm going to be spending more time yet again this year with my work colleagues than almost everybody else in my life. <laughs> Pretty grim, eh? Happy New Year, everybody. Hi, Murph. <laughs> Hi, Od. This should be a, a source of great joy. Yeah, at least I vaguely like the people I work Myself with. Myself and Ken are tremendous fun. We have at least made it out of the second captain's Christmas cabin at last, Murph. Oh, I think things were getting a little hairy between myself and yourself. I apologise once again for any offence my behaviour may have caused. I don't apologise for my behaviour. Of course. Just any offence it may if have caused, co- thereby placing any problem on your shoulders. Yeah. If you so want to feel my offended... my fault for being offended. Yeah, I apologise for your being offended, if you have been offended by... Which you shouldn't have been. Which you should have been, because there's nothing wrong with it. Judging by the tenor of my non-apology. Oh, you're amazing. Yes, I know, I know. If 2018 can take us to as many cool spots as 2017 did, I'll be a happy little boy. Mm, Remind me. First live World Service show. We went over to deliver that one to the great people of London. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yep. Uh, we ended up on Whitty Island off Bantry Bay in West Cork. That was bizarre. Yeah, bizarre. <laughs> had a lot of fun. For the first Lions test. Yep. The atmospheric Liberty Hall Theatre in December. Yeah, that was good. Not a long trip, but a fun trip. No, no, no. About 15 minutes in a taxi. And 20 sh- minutes if you fancied walking it. Yeah, and sh- that's a slow taxi or a fast walk. Well, I mean, Traffic. Tra- traffic, of course. Nightmare, man. Oh, Nightmare. Pierce. Lewis tracks. Pierce. Pierce Street. Disaster, man. And the show we're going to play for you today... Features our appearance at the Kilkenny Cat Laughs Comedy Festival. You finally achieved your dream of being a stand-up comic. Or at least sitting on stage listening to two other, two actual stand-up comics being really funny. Close enough. It <laughs> makes no difference <laughs> yeah. to me in my head, On We ended up watching the Champions League final that night with Dara O'Brien. Name drop. Clank. Mar- <laughs> Mario Mandzukic was the main topic of conversation during that game. Notably you how... You see, Dara, Mario yeah. Mandzukic is a clown. Yeah, yeah. He's a clown, Dara. 
Oh wait, he's just scored an absolutely amazing. Was goal. Dara agreeing with you? He was agreeing with me wholeheartedly. I thought yeah. so. I, I, I was half here the two of you in that way, but how yeah, we were bonding about how Manzuka utterly was. useless Mario. Then he bangs in one of the all-time great Champions League goals, which has been forgotten already. Yeah, you know, you didn't see it featuring in any top moments of 2017. No, but because when they he, lost. When he scored it, it was pretty important yeah. and it was pretty amazing. This show is going out to World Service members and non-members alike. It'll give you Monday only guys a chance to see some of the fun that you've been missing throughout last year. By the way, most New Year's resolutions fail because they involve changing some part of your life indefinitely. Mm. Giving up this, doing more of that, never going to happen. But if you resolve simply to become a Second Captain's World Service member, just sign up the once. You just sign up right now, it's done. Yeah. Hopefully you will go and listen to all the podcasts, but certainly the signing up process is a, a one-time deal. Yeah, I know. And then after that, you know, you make your own mind up. You know, but at least you'll have tried it. Exactly. And j- what's January for, if not for trying new things exactly. and experiences? So, so don't bother giving up the fags. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. you should always try and give up yeah, the fags. Yeah, no, I'm joking. No. But try, try that first and then sign up to the second yeah. episode. I mean, this isn't like a gym membership where you just never use it. Yeah. You will actually listen to the podcast if you've paid for them. And you don't have to go to the gym. That's the other great thing about yeah. it. So imagine, imagine all the money you're saving by spending just five euro a month plus VAT on our membership, as opposed to throwing away 50 or 60 quid on a gym membership that you don't use anyway. Amazing. Great sales pitch. No problem. I've just earned you 55 euro a month. Let's take you back to the ballroom in Langton's during the Kilkenny Cat Laughs 2017. You're at the biggest comedy festival in the country with some of the biggest comedians in the world and you choose to spend your Saturday afternoon listening to a sports podcast. There's something I'm deeply wrong with you people, but uh, I do appreciate the, the dedication. You're all very welcome to the Second Captain's Podcast live at the Cat Laughs Comedy Festival! We're in the ballroom here at Langton's in the fine city of Kilkenny. Ken, obviously a city... Steeped in rich history. Yeah, well, I don't know Kilkenny that well, actually, so uh, I decided to read some travel writing uh, about it before I came here. Uh, Alexis de Tocqueville, the famous uh, philosopher of history of the French Revolution and uh, American democracy, came by here in July 1835. That's 182 years ago. Uh, he says, We went on to County Kilkenny. From Carlow to Thomastown, the look of things seemed a little less wretched. Almost out... <laughs> Almost all the houses had got chimneys. Some seemed new and built to a slightly better plan. Sometimes the pig had a sty to itself. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, he, he talked to the bishop who told him, the lower classes in this county are very prone to quarrels and fights. Almost every village forms a kind of faction with a code name. Factions which started nobody knows when and which continue nobody knows why. But, uh, when men of different factions meet at a fair or wedding or elsewhere, it is exceptional if they do not come to blows just for the love of fighting. These quarrels very often end in someone getting killed. Generally speaking, human life is of little value here. <laughs> I think I saw that in the sign coming in the uh, N9 there. We still feel there's much to learn about our gracious host, and teaching us is a Kilkenny man named Patrick Morrissey from Inishteague. So there he is. Uh, and Patrick is speaking on RT's Newsbeat in 1971, and he's taken a rather novel approach to preparing to meet his maker. He really sums up the happy-go-lucky uh, nature of these fine people. Loving memory of Patrick and Ellen Morrissey, Valley Duff, interred at Inishteague, their son Patrick, member of the Sinn Féin party, 1914-1921, died 
And there's no date aged, and there's no age. And there's a very good reason for that, because standing beside his own headstone <laughs> is Patrick Morrissey. Patrick, why have you put up this headstone here before you've died yourself? When I thought that I would, when I had all the money collected, that I would put it up myself, because if I left it to my sons to put it up, I should never go. <laughs> never. They, they, never. They wouldn't bother them. If I leave the money to the young generation to say it will never go, which it wouldn't. They couldn't trust them. To be very happy to trust them. So you So there you, there you go. Uh, real ray of sunshine is our uh, Patrick. <laughs> but it's nice for him to publicly out his own family as tightwads and profligate disrespecters of their own dead. But uh, I'm sure that went down well. Anyway, and we've got a surprise for everyone here because Paddy's sons are actually... No, they're not. Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, but please, give a round of applause for uh, Patrick. All right, I'm guessing if you lot have come along to see us today, then many of you are, how do I put this kindly, podcast dorks, perhaps. So I'm delighted to announce that today, for your ears only, and for the ears of everyone else listening to this podcast when it's put out in a couple of days' time, for the very first time in front of a live audience, a live audience, I should say, you're going to be treated to a special edition of the slot that has taken the world of international podcasting by oh, storm. No. No. no, not Ken's ghouls. I speak, of course, of Owen's poems. Oh, Thank you to the two men in the front here. Reaction, not great in the ballroom overall, besides the two gentlemen. Pretty mixed online as well, as I'd you can say see. just aim it to these three lads in the front Yeah, this will do yeah. me, that's all you need. Here's just a selection. Block out everyone else, a selection, including me and Ken. A selection of Twitter comments here. I enjoy it, roars Dennis Cavanagh. Connor Dennehy, it is dreadful, dreadful piss off, Connor. Wayne says it's terrible, wouldn't even make the cut for Funny Friday. Finaldo, send it to Funny in inverted commas Friday, it's shit. And Jasper J. Entwistle cuts to the chase, I enjoy how much it annoys Ken. <laughs> it is true that not everybody on the second captain's team believes that this is a good idea for a slot. But I say you, give the it. crowd what they don't know if they want just yet. But first, I believe it was a great philosopher, Sid Waddell, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. A great darts philosopher, who said, when Alexander the Great was 33, he cried salt tears because there were no more worlds to conquer. Eric Bristow was only 27. We'll spare a thought for our next guests, who both achieved their life's work by the time they were 17 years of age, after leading their schools to glory in the Leinster Junior Cup and Dublin A Hurling Championship, respectively. Firstly, please enjoy these selected highlights of their sporting careers. To, to the uh, podcast listeners, they can't see. Everyone is crying. There are yeah. tears all over the floor of Langton's after those. David, I have read the fine print of your contract to appear with us today, so let's get this over with. Please talk us through the following footage of the highlight of your sporting career. Give some background first to this. Well, uh, Dara may not know about this, so this is the 1991 uh, Junior Cup final, uh, known as the big one. <laughs> 
a team that uh, we're the light blues and we're playing against the dark blues, St. Mary's, who have future Ireland international. They have about six future Leinster players on this team. They have Dennis Hickey, who at the time was the All-Ireland 100 metres and 200 metres champion at under 15 and under 18. And he is so sick of me going on about this. I met him in a pub last Christmas and I was there with uh, my cousin and my cousin was like, who's this? Putting it Dennis. And Dennis just said, I'm his nemesis. <laughs> and so, roll the footage. This is them behind their line. They need to score. So they pass to the fastest man in Ireland. There he is. Look, and then he's on a loop run. The Randwick loop is what we call that. And then look, going, who's this? Holy shit! That's me. I spanked him into touch right there. Pow. Yeah. Look at that, a pitch with no grass on it. Thank you. <laughs> impressive. I'm impressed. I'm deeply impressed by that. I kept that quiet. Uh, <laughs> I gather he hasn't. Uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, there's no video footage of... For, for, we did, people didn't tape hurling matches in Wicklow in the uh, mid-80s, uh, <laughs> early 90s, or Dublin, or Dublin College's hurling finals even weren't, weren't recorded for posterity. They merely... Songs are written, uh, and <laughs> they exist only in mythic tales. Maybe uh, a tapestry. Really. Yeah. The, yeah. It's, it's the match parchment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The only footage we have of your career, Dar, is that more recent footage. I'll give the background. Dar is behind enemy lines playing hurling at Lord's Cricket Ground, the home of the English sports establishment. They have him trapped... Uh, but he has one final trick up his sleeve. Maybe you can tell us what's... Before you... Yeah, yeah. yeah let, let's set the scene. That man isn't dead. Uh, he is, <laughs> yeah. He's a photographer who's shooting me for a photo to promo the fact that Ireland were playing England okay. in a series of one-day internationals. So he's a photographer doing it. But then photographing him in today's meta-textual media landscape is a guy from Lords who wants to photograph an event occurring at Lords. So he, the recording of this is being itself recorded. And then it was possibly... Now we're talking about we're moving into an infinite regression loop where there is no actual event occurs it just constantly it loops on until eventually you see from my eyes it being recorded by all of these people and the, the idea was I said I, you know, I, I did a kind of a commentary on, 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 on some cricket for them uh, and then said and then they'd give me a hurley just to put thing, and I said do you mind if I go out and just uh, strike a ball on the, on the thing and they said yeah although don't go on to that bit they're quite clear so I went to the very edge of that bit and struck a ball back just for the, just for them just to say I had uh, and they said we'll get a shot of that so your man lies down and I'm supposed to strike it to well people over at the, at the edge alright let's roll yeah, for the chair right. talk us through yeah. what actually happened you're just going are you Right. I'm in Kilkenny. That's sort of impressive, but I think the way it rolled back and the one-handed lift up back into the hand yeah. was probably <laughs> the actual basic skills that showed that yeah. I had. Uh, what what really yeah. struck me was the evil laughter. I mean, the, surely the human reaction is to apologise and then laugh. No. But you was just, yeah. Yeah, he's grabbed. He bounced back. Uh, <laughs> They're a hardy bunch, those photographers. Uh, they are, aren't they, those photographers? Also, yeah. Darrow was so high on pure gale nationalism that he was playing there. He just immediately sang, Ribbles in the rock pools, Ribbles in the sea. And 
empty lords erupted. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'd like to say that they, they then had to wrestle me off this ward uh, because yeah, it was, yeah. it was uh, I was profaning it. But they were they were an absolute delight. The people in lords, they, were, they could they could be more thrilled to have somebody playing hurling on the ground. How long have you guys been coming to the Cat Laughs Festival? I'd like you to say something really nice about it so they invite us back next year. Yeah. Yep. So uh, how long? I can't remember. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, so my brother did stand up in the nineties. So uh, I came here and I used to sleep in his floor in 96, probably first, when it was less organised than this, yeah. when it was just people, you know, huddled behind livestock shouting jokes. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I've come pretty much every... I was just, we were, the, the, the standout memory is in 2003, I did a show in the Watergate with um, me... Emo Phillips and Zach Galifianakis, who no one had heard of then. And I was going to Ackle the next day and on holidays. And he said, I am not doing anything. Can I come to Ackle? So me and Zach Galifianakis, who would go on to be in all the Hangover movies, went to Ackle and we uh, fished and we cut turf and did proper Irish things for two days. And then uh, I don't know what happened to him after that. but I have no such story because I'm not a lick. Uh, and... <laughs> You know, I see these guys, I work with them, I go home to my family, and I don't have this kind of like, hey, let's just hang out for four days in the middle of nowhere. Let's just trap you out. By the way, can I say, say a, a genuine warm thing I have to say about David? We were caught in the rain earlier on, and I was wearing uh, a shirt, that, and my actual shirt that I came out in, and it's still wet for me caught in the rain. And Dave felt sorry for me, so he said, I'm going to buy you a shirt, he said, right? So this is why I'm wearing this shirt, because Dave went to Dunn Stores and bought this from the Padraig Harrington collection. <laughs> May I just show you, it's just, it's breathable, it moves. It's never a choice I would make, I'm not a golfer, but it's also SPF 50. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure, how, I'm not sure then, because only for 10 washes it says, SPS 50 for 10 washes. After 10 washes, it reverts back to just being a shirt, uh, whose who's SPF factor is incalculable. Anything uh, over five, I find it, you're, you're in bonus territory after that, really. Really? Anything, okay. anything after five it, it Maybe that if you wash it after 10 washes, it suddenly becomes entirely translucent yeah. uh, and, and of no benefit in, in shielding the sun. So Imagine this, how much money Dara's getting for doing that audacious plug on your podcast. <laughs> The, uh, I tried to get him. I tried to get him the most rank possible thing in Duns. There's the Paul Galvin collection, which has some really horrible, you know, sort of like distressed, like the seam is inside out and the label is on the Mickey. Like I tried to get him one of those, but uh, no, I plumped for the Porrick option instead. It is the uh, Champions League final tonight, there. I don't think it's the first time a gig of yours has clashed for the Champions League final. I think it happened in 2005. Uh, in Vigor Street, Liverpool. Liverpool. Oh, yeah. it did. Yeah, it did. It did. The, uh, the 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 famous one. Yeah, it was because I was in Vicar Street on the night of Liverpool's great comeback, uh, and uh, which I say to gritted teeth. The uh, and it was uh, and the Vicar Street gig started at half past eight. We're just half an hour later than normal. So the audience were in, and you buy the tickets with these things in advance. So therefore, nobody had, and, and then they're there, not realizing they clash with the Champions League final. But the, they'd all had to come along because they'd paid for whatever to, to come and see the show. And I walked out and said, Relax, it's 3 0 to Milan, uh, and it's done, right? Let's just enjoy a night of comedy, right? <laughs> And this is, by the way, this is pre too much information bouncing through on phones as well. To, yeah. that, that's it. So the, uh, and then I went, we then did the thing, and then I went to the interval, and then I came back after the interval and said, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, 
and there was a tangible thing in the room of the room going, we have missed a fucking classic for this once-in-a-lifetime match for this shit, right? <laughs> That was a tough climb back up again, it really was, yeah. Um, I had that with the uh, All Blacks Chicago Ireland beating them last November. I was in that same venue, Vicker Street, but the difference between then and now is now there was a guy with a hacked Android phone watching it on crickfree.sports. <laughs> and so in the middle of my... This, this guy goes, Fuck! <laughs> Robbie Henshaw had scored and Ireland had beaten the All Blacks. And you can't really argue with it. No, On the one no. hand, you could be really angry that someone was watching their fucking phone during your comedy. <laughs> but on the other hand, ah, fair enough. No, a blo- I, I remember on the last year's tour, there was a night in Hull and there was a bloke who just head down for the entire thing, watching the minute by minute of Hull, second leg of the um, chat- qualifier. To get, and, uh, um, or it was like the last two weeks. It was May anyway. Or at the end. And you've got to let it go because, yeah. you know, he's there under duress anyway. Anyway, uh, I did not want to be there, so please give me this one link, uh, the thing I actually want to be doing. Yeah. David, you, the lines are off to a predictably shaky start this morning. I love uh, that you've got me on to analyse the Lions' performance. <laughs> for, mo- for one thing, it's a poor reflection on the number of pundits available in the Kilkenny area <laughs> to talk about the Lions versus New Zealand Barbarians match from this morning. Uh, they were shit, yeah, but... <laughs> I get it, yeah, my, my hot takes are sizzling hot on the Lions. <laughs> in fairness, they only got in on Wednesday, and I remember someone on... I mean, is this... They used to go on the lock the night they got to... Because of the nature of that jet lag is so thorough, it's, it's sometimes you're advised just to stay up as late as you can. So I'm going to imagine that happened on Thursday then, and then they just all rolled out of bed this morning and uh, nearly blew it against... And whenever, whenever teams play against the sort of semi-pro, you know when Ireland plays San Marino, the players on San Marino always have the most over-idealised jobs. You know, it's a, he's a boat builder. You know that? <laughs> yeah, they, they have the job that Yates wrote poetry yeah. for. Yeah. <laughs> I wish, I wish my work to be appreciated by the postman of Liechtenstein. Uh, the salt of the earth types. Yeah. The, 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 I always think of this, actually, which was the summer... When I was in college, we all went to Germany one summer, and my friend Eamon went missing from the group in about July. I was working in the Kaufhalle supermarket distributor in Cologne as a mobile floor cleaner. Uh, and... <laughs> Eamon just sort of went AWOL, sort of on the piss for about a week and a half, and uh, we'd no idea where he was, and Ronnie Whelan scored against Liechtenstein, and Eamon ran on the pitch to hug him. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just like, oh, he's in Liechtenstein, of course. I don't know, did you see the poll that 78% of Kiwis couldn't name one single Lions player this before the weekend. I don't know if that's going to uh, go up or down. I mean, I have a slightly odd perception on that, own, which is, so you always hear whenever teams go to play in New Zealand, it's like, oh, every taxi you get into, you know what I mean? Every haberdasher you go into to buy your laces, they're like, you know, bloody Lions. So my, I tour with Flight of the Concords over there, who are basically the biggest nerds in the world. They're basically the guys that the New Zealand rugby players just beat up for the first 25 years of their lives. So uh, they would not have a clue uh, it was going on. But now what's funny is whenever 
they do an interview with one of the All Blacks, like, what's on your iPad? And the All Blacks are like, well, obviously I've got my uh, Floor of the Concords on there. And that's actually not a bad New Zealand impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> but now the All Blacks are listening to the men that they used to beat up, effectively, yeah. The, uh, well, personally, I'm back in the Lions to pull out a 3-0 series victory against all odds. 3-0! Thereby giving Leo Varadkar the first chance to jump on a bandwagon as leader of our country. <laughs> that definitely wasn't just a, That's a seamless very link seamless here, link guys, into the, the next topic. Amy O'Connor tweeted today, There's, there needs to be a word for when your country elects a gay half-Indian leader and you can't even celebrate because it's Leo Varadkar. <laughs> <laughs> do, do either of you see where she's coming from here? I mean, in the, uh, what is it, uh, 12 hours since he's become head of Fianna Gael, you just see the changes on the streets, you know? Yeah. You know the way you have to drive on the right-hand side of the road now. Just a lot of small changes yeah. have taken place. It's, 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 it's funny to watch, to watch the media everywhere else go, oh, what a day this is for traditional It's massive. Right, it's it's huge. It's huge. And people love pulling out of what does this mean for Ireland. People love the what. And it was, it was quite funny because they were going, oh, and Ireland's kind of going, okay, it was okay. I didn't even notice. Uh, and <laughs> we're, like, we're so achingly cool about gay now. Uh, <laughs> Oh God! Now that you mention it, I remember hearing something about that uh, about him being gay. But it was—it was—it was impressive that it was not a thing, and that his politics are so, to many people, so offensive anyway that it overrode any kind of uh, liberal joy of him being gay. It's like the, uh, uh, but much like the, there aren't many uh, people who are like strongly feminist who are like delighted that Theresa May is a female leader of uh, in in the UK, for example. Yeah, the, uh, but it's it's it, like you know, it's a great thing that it's not commented on, I suppose, obviously. But, I mean, uh, I guess it's in this country, it's the payoff that we don't have a far right. We just have this incredibly dull middle ground where pretty much everyone... You know what I mean? Like, it's good that... Why don't we have a far right? Uh, Is it because, like, everyone knows too many people in Ireland and you'd just be embarrassed? I'm moderately serious about that. No, you're absolutely right. England is a much bigger, broad, distant society, so it's very easy to take an extreme stance uh, in that country because you're not going to bump into somebody who knows your mother who goes, jeez, your son is getting very harsh uh, on that. Would you, agree, would you agree with a lot of what he was saying there? Um, <laughs> Did he talk? Was he like that at school as well? Yeah. I, think, I don't remember that. I again. think Paddy's people were a bit always that way, were they? <laughs> but it's, it's, but it's our, also the legacy of our miserable history as well. That Make Ireland great again makes no sense as a slogan. <laughs> <laughs> Let's continue to improve slightly. Make yeah. Ireland reasonable for the first time. That's... <laughs> I'll have on my hat. It was like half an hour in 2006 or something, wasn't it, where things were looking all right? Even, yeah. you know... I always was, think... Early, like, 98 or something? Was no, it? I'd say the, the last time everything was truly great was the day they finished Newgrange. And <laughs> not the day they finished it, the first 21st of December, where yeah. the laser beam hit the back of the shed and Enya... Yeah. Enya appeared... <laughs> That was the last truly great day for Ireland. No one has made a tiny Irish version of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, where it's a run down that really short corridor with a small stone rolling behind him and he gets, oh, phew. Uh, all right. That pebble could have taken up my Achilles tendon there. Yeah. yeah. Ken, people may not be aware of this, but I wasn't aware of this until about two hours ago. You have a professional history with Leo Varadkar. Yeah, um, I, I noticed that loads of people are calling him a Thatcherite today. Um, which is interesting because uh, 20 years ago uh, he wrote an article for a magazine that I was editing in college 
uh, called uh, Maselny. So he came along to like the first meeting. So of, hold on, you were we the were you commissioned Theo Braga for a piece for yeah, you as yeah. it was it was a college magazine called Miscellany. Miscellany, uh, <laughs> that's the one. Uh, look, I didn't give it to really A century old Miscellany, a compendium of thoughts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the uh, opportunities uh, that was available for our, our writers, one of the one of the potential assignments was the chance to uh, interview Bernard Ingham. Uh, the press secretary of Margaret Thatcher, there he is there. That's Bernard. Uh, so obviously Leo's hand shot up. Um, so, uh, and I actually looked at the article and it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, he says some things about, uh, he talks about, uh, well, the thing is that we actually paired him. It was two people writing it. It was Leo and then someone who was his complete opposite in every way. So when I'm reading this article, I'm just not sure which bits were written by him. And I mean, he calls Mrs. Thatcher a she-elephant, not in, not in a... In necessarily a bad way, if you know what I mean, uh, okay. but also uh, also blames her for. Uh, uh, he talks about formidable character and genuine bravery, a leader who brought her country back from the brink. So you're like, okay, uh, but also talked about her malicious urge to crush the miners, uh, and was uh, responsible for starting uh, basically a, a kind of apathy that would have been uh, basically for, for destroying the country. So I'm not really sure where exactly either he was coming from or where this point is going. Yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> well, that was one of the... I, I always thought that was one of the, that was one of the strengths of uh, Miscellany. Uh, uh, it, it didn't rush to judge. It merely allowed thoughts to fester. Well, uh, when, when I was in college, the, uh, two of the people involved in the pro-choice movement were Lucinda Creighton and then in the anti-choice movement was Avril Power who both then switched sides when they became professional politicians so wouldn't mind a fucking word they say <laughs> I, I also and I from university from I am profoundly suspicious of anyone who joined young Fine Gael or young Fine Fáil at the I think time. we're all a little that way yeah. And, yeah. and like it's kind of like and in some ways it's great you know, there's a general energetic movement of new politicians across the world between Canada and France and all that but this feels like it's been one of those guys who never who kind of skipped straight to 45 uh, and it doesn't feel and nothing against Leo I mean it once seemed like a perfectly nice person the, uh, in the five second of a conversation at Hamilton so I can't judge I'm not in the country but, uh, but it is I, you know people who got involved at that age who are already concerned about that shit at 19 right when the rest are off yeah, there's, there's one guy I know who became a politician then and I remember from school because when he met my mother he'd be like oh Mrs. O'Doherty you're looking wonderful <laughs> and it's just like who the fuck says that? <laughs> I, for Leo Varadkar, I enjoyed when he was Minister for Transport and he was trying to come down hard on the boy racer culture in Ireland. And he has Rad Car in his name. So that's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's progressed to the highest office in the land yesterday, of course, but his ascent to the top of Irish politics has not always been too easy. Uh, I'm sure no one in Kilkenny has forgotten about the hurling incident. Uh, he was acting as part of the Welcome Party for Canadian astronaut and friend of the nation, Chris Hadfield. Uh, Hadfield, of course, being a bloody astronaut, <laughs> took to the whole hurling lark like a duck to water. Varadkar, less so. So that's the swing <laughs> and the miss. And if we rewind the tip, I think you can see the full agony of the moment etched on our new leader's face. His predecessors, of course, in the role of Taoiseach, uh, have not struggled quite so much so here's uh, Charles J. High. You'd miss him around the place, wouldn't you? Look at that. That's a beautiful strike. <laughs> Still rising as it left the cliffs of war there. Beautiful strike. 
Dara, you said that you are not, you're a bit reluctant to judge over here, considering you're mostly based in the UK, so you can certainly judge what's I happening can judge over there. I can judge you easily, yeah. yeah. Uh, what the hell's going on? Wow, it's mad. Uh, it, is, it is insane because he, he, Corbyn, was not supposed to be able to run a campaign because we, he, we saw him ineffectually do, not get involved in Brexit and kind of, maybe, uh, kind of thing. Uh, and then, and now he's run a very good campaign and um, Theresa May is like something out of Westworld that has stopped <laughs> functioning uh, and can only parse particular types of sentences by recognising the noun in what you said and saying, I've been very clear how important blank is to us uh, as we go out of here. Like, oh, and it's just really, really weird. And now refusing to speak to anyone and sending everyone out and it's just all gone hideously and hilariously Do you wrong. think it's, it's like stage fright? I mean, can you identify it all? With she, she seems paralysed. She absolutely, and I think it's, it's an ongoing confidence uh, thing, whatever. She's on a run of bad gigs. I don't know if she's particularly, she was never noticed as a particularly great speaker, uh, and she kept a low profile generally. I mean, she basically became the leader by the absence of anyone else, uh, and by the others just, just decimating each other, and she was left, she's the person left standing when those who were politicking really, uh, really obviously, were, uh, destroyed each other, right? But it turns out she's dreadful at it, uh, and, uh, and it's fabulous to watch. Uh, because the media have got savvy about how we're just going to report, we're going to report the process now. We're not going to do this because, because Cameron uh, had a thing where he would say a thing and then walk off. And it was only Charlie Brook who used to run compilations of Cameron saying the thing he wanted to say and then just, boom, gone. I, I exit stage left immediately, not waiting for questions. And the media didn't know quite how to run this as a, as a thing. But the, now they've got, no, we're just going to show us constantly at, trying to ask you a question as you poorly evaded, uh, and I think Amber Rudd did very well in the debate, uh, and nobody's going to try this again, shall we? Uh, how did you watch it? The, uh, I, I, you know, the whole thing, I won't do the debate because I want to stay at home and have a big think about Brexit, uh, uh, and you're going, well then don't call an election just before you negotiate Brexit, if it's really that important a thing, right? The, and it's just been, it's really, and it, she was, it was drummed into her, strongest stable, strongest stable coalition of chaos, to the point that she now can say nothing else. Yeah. David, are you following um, I am following. I I, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, is she going to get an overall majority, though? That's the question. They're, st- they're still going to win. I think they're still yeah, going to win. I think it's just too few days for it to really turn around. And polls do tend to favour Labour. But um, whether or not... It'd even be sort of hilarious that she went in to run this opportunistic election and she ended up dropping seats. But um, that may or may not happen yet. They, uh, but uh, she's damaged. She's damaged. Yeah. By it. They, uh, yeah, and then Corbs will probably disappear, go back to... He had some strong opinions on Arsenal. He, he does. Uh, he does. He's, he's very much a Wenger in. He's Wenger in. Uh, he's Wenger in. Are you yeah. Wenger in now? I, uh, I have veered between Wenger in and Wenger out. Um, this That's year. the whole spectrum there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I was, um, well, that's harsh, but I was in university as part of Young Wenger in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mr. Mrs. Wenger, you're looking wonderful. <laughs> I was, uh, are you impressed by Wenger's resilience now that we're on the most important topic of the day? Yes, of course. I, gen- I always have been, though, because the last four years he's been getting this, like whatever, and he's generally ridden it uh, the, and, and turned it into something. But it's, not, it's, it's just becoming a bit samey as a thing, and I think it, it, for this, just for the sake of the pleasure of, trying, of seeing something new, it's getting a bit boring around there to see this happen again. They again need again. you to go out on the surface of the Emirates with your Schlitter and strike <laughs> an Englishman in the head with it. <laughs> And then maybe their luck would what change. Englishman in the Arsenal team, could I strike? I had to <laughs> hunt. And, and now these, I have to hunt down Theo Walcott, and that to me now sounds. I'd even give him a head start because he's not as fast as he lets on. Uh, and 
going. I'll take 50 yards, Theo, because that is where you're trading on the long time memories of your pace here, right? The, uh, and, uh, yeah, and, and yeah, no, I'd get him for that. You, sorry to take over the interviewing now, but. Please, uh, please, please do. To be honest, well, I am a World Service me- member, so I believe it's my right to. I mean, it's the weirdest situation I've ever been involved in where I'm effectively paying for this podcast and appearing in it. LAUGHTER uh, Dara, you've met members of the Arsenal team. I Who's have. your favourite? Ramsey? Is Ramsey uh, nice? Uh, oh, sorry, of, of current team. Ramsey's grand. Ramsey's, uh, Ramsey's a lovely chap. Uh, yep. Wiltshire is very... Uh, Martin Keown, uh, by the way, just to stretch back, uh, is, a, is a lovely man. Uh, really? Big, still hugely interested in Ireland and uh, Galway Hurling. Oh, he could have played he for He could us. have, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but he... And I think his son has declared, as far as I know, uh, for Ireland at underage level. Yeah, I think so. There is some rumour going around that he can speak Irish. Martin Keown, or not Martin Keown's son. That he's, his father is from, like, some Gaeltic there in Galway or something. Yeah, he's, he's full-on all right about the whole thing. The, uh, Ray Parler, I don't know, went on the piss in Ray Parler in Munich. Uh, uh, this is what we want yeah, now. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Settle in. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's, you know, the, you hear the legendary stories, like, whatever. Ray, Ray still lives that life. It's great. Uh, uh, he's in good condition, all that. But he's a, he's a, like, I mean, after the game, I said, what do you think, Ray? He said, I'd give Ozil a new contract on less money. Uh, and then walked away. Like, yeah, he's a, uh, he's, he's lovely man. Ray. We, uh, so my brother and I, for years, buy each other the most uh, obscure, unwanted Christmas and birthday presents. So, um... I bought him a, a slice of magic, the, the Abracadabra story, which is a book by the man who's a self-published book by the man who set up Abracadabra. He then bought me We All Live in a Perry Groves World, I which is, that. do you have that I one, have that, which is Perry Groves? It's part of my library, yes. We interviewed Perry Groves about that book, actually. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you won't have interviewed Tony Mio the snooker player from the 80s, because my brother then bought a VHS of the greatest shots of Tony Mio. (laughs) And gave that to me for Christmas about three years ago. The Perry Grove uh, book has one fabulous paragraph. It's not a, not, not a great book, the Perry Grove book, but the, uh, amidst the Arsenal canon, uh, it wouldn't be the best of the things to read. But there's a great sense, because at the time they got beaten 1-0 by Wrexham, I think, in the cup, and it was Mickey Quinn, I think, who... Mickey Thomas. Mickey Thomas. Yeah, the free kick. Yeah, 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 and he has a thing about Mickey Thomas, and, Mickey, and then Mickey came up, and, and he scored the goal, and he was ready to celebrate. And then the last sentence goes, he was later convicted of passing four £10 notes. Uh, <laughs> I just showed in and said, fuck you, Mickey Thomas. Uh, <laughs> what do you make of Arsenal Fan TV's role in I do you know I don't role? watch it because I do see you know? it happening obviously because you walk out of the stadium and there's this knot of people getting really angry yeah. right and I, just, you, I, cur- I take a big swerve around the thing uh, yeah you you, know. I mean you were Arsenal correspondent for the Guardian for a while you no, wrote that I wrote series a general article sports column always about game. Arsenal occasionally <laughs> people got read I wrote, a, I wrote a piece once right and people it was supposed to be just like alright I am also a fan so therefore I have a general fans view of these things so therefore and you can see the universality of what I'm saying and no people said oh it's Arsenal just about Arsenal all the time right I wrote a piece once about how I was watching a, a Champions League match and I burnt my foot because I was making spaghetti at the same time and then it got caught the pot got caught and loads of boiling water went on splashed onto my foot uh, soaking the sock in boiling water and I got burnt right and uh, so I had to sit in the sink Watching the Champions League match uh, with, I, was, I, so I sat on the work surface and the foot was in the sink, cooling it down, watching us play a game in which Fabianski threw the ball to them and they scored a goal, and then we equalised. So it was like 
both the match and I were going through huge despair <laughs> and then it was like pain, then relief, then pain, then relief. And I told this story and then I, uh, then I went to a ho hospital to get the burn checked out at like at 10 o'clock, I drove, drove to, to the hospital and went across the road to buy some peas to put onto the burn, right? And they didn't have peas in that particular centre and I had to buy frozen runner beans, which are not as good a thing. They don't just form around yeah, the burn yeah, yeah. in the same way, right? And I wrote this as a piece, and the first comment I was about, uh, well, you, you didn't mention Manchester United, an excellent win in Europe during the week, <laughs> did you? <laughs> Listen, we should finish up with Wexford against Kilkenny, which is next weekend, given where we are, the, the home of hurling and all that. We need to find out if both of you, if you're a Davy man or a Cody man, Murph, maybe lay out the parameters here. Well, there are four main categories that I've drawn up here, uh, the first of which is sideline involvement. Uh, I'm going to mark both of the gentlemen out of ten. Uh, Davey, obviously, that's a heavy 10 out of 10 for sideline involvement. Yeah. Cody's a, a 4 out of 10, which, because basically all he does is he just spits into his hands and rubs them together <laughs> a lot. Intimidation factor, Davey is a small one, but he's just so angry. So it's an 8 out of 10 for me. Uh, Cody, when he has the hat on and peers out like Darth Vader, I'm going to say 9.5 out of 10. Post-match interview honesty, Davey's too honest. That's his problem. 10 out of 10. Uh, Cody, 1 out of 10. See, any of his interviews against, uh, uh, after games against Offaly in the last 10 years. Uh, and then All-Ireland's won, Davey won, Cody 11. Ah, let's call it a draw, I say. I interviewed Cody as part of uh, Science Week in last October. We interviewed him about neuroscience. He came, he came on to talk about sports and neuroscience. And I have for a long time, and I say this with great respect, regarded Brian Cody as history's greatest monster. Uh, and... <laughs> Yeah, for just the heartbreak, and yeah, I, I, and this is, it coincided with my finally getting all, regular All Ireland tickets, like whatever, and Seaton, Croke Park, and all that, and then coincided with him and them and you monstrously <laughs> just destroying everyone and bullying and being horrible, right? Uh, and and then I sat down and had a couple of pints, lovely fella, uh, and <laughs> and it's sad for me that the Kilkenny team is now in such decline, uh, and. <laughs> We, I think we all share your despair in that. Yes, it is. Yeah. A, bit, it's a once great team, a once great county uh, yeah. reduced. Uh, <laughs> to a laughing stock. To a laughing stock. Yeah. To, to Much a, like their to beloved a, Cat Laughs a Festival. A national disgrace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would have said. Like, whatever. The, uh, holding the wrong end of the stick and everything is awful. So. <laughs> Guys, you've been incredible. Where can people catch up for the rest of the weekend? Is that what people. This is our first festival. I don't know if you're supposed to ask that to wrap things up. I, I, guess I mean, we're sense. around a lot. I mean, I have a sheet of paper with all these weird hotels have to turn up out yeah. for the next two days so get, yeah get the it's, a, it's a quite a sprawling metropolis I know so I mean if you could give like sort of quadrants are you in the northern quadrant or no if you, you have to get the uh, Victoria line from okay. uh, from uh, outside uh, Langton's and then you change at the interchange uh, okay. and then you cross onto the, the general line gotcha the Cody line uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> folks give it up please for David O'Darty and Daryl please Thanks, guys. Right, so that's just about it from Second Captain's podcast after Cat Last. While you're applauding, applaud yourselves. You've been amazing. Give yourselves a round of applause. Go on. I know you want. If you want any more of this nonsense on a daily basis and you haven't already done it, you can follow David O'Darty over there and sign up to the Second Captain's World Service. Thank you once again, David, for, uh, for signing up. I can't really think of anything else we need to tie up at this stage. Can anyone, unless you guys can... Thank you, Owen's Poems, yeah. Let's play the bed. Owen's Poems. With Owen McDevitt. Featuring the poetry of Owen McDevitt. And what an yeah. absolute load of nonsense that is. Nerd nonsense. 
Yes, lyrical gangster and sometime hot stepper Owen McDevitt here with the first ever live recording of Owen's Poems. During the week, we asked the budding bards of the podcast world to come up with poems featuring comedy superstar and 1991 Junior Cup winner David O'Darty. People entered in their droves and the standard was, how can I put this delicately? Absolutely fucking disgraceful. <laughs> David is back on stage or will be back on stage to listen in here. We do have a winner though. We have a pearl amongst all this dross. It is from Tommy McGregor with his masterpiece, David Wears the Crown. Not Conor McGregor. Not Conor McGregor, as far as I know. Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. This is from Tommy McGregor. You may think that he's the bridesmaid's one, but that is where you're wrong, my son. That guy's name is Chris O'Dowd, the irreverent co-star of the IT crowd. An Irish O-fada adorns each name, causing confusion in British brains. It's not a question of American fame, and to compare the two is quite insane. O'Dowd's career is all well and good, but let's have it clear and understood that standing up or sitting down, it's David O'Darty who wears the crown. So, that piece of absolute crap has won Tommy McGregor two tickets to our next live show. Uh, there was some feverish internal debate. David, uh, did you want to critique the poem? I, I mean, I enjoyed the poem, but I thought there was a strict iambic pentameter that was. To be followed is, for an old poem. It's, it's a strict A-A-A-A yeah. rhyming this scheme. This is A-A-A-B-B. So in the night, I fly a kite on the... No, with a, on a dark and yeah. dusty night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah unfortunately that's been broken, but listen, the, I did say the poems were shite, so I had to kind of go what was there. Now, there was some feverish internal debate about whether or not to even try out this subject in front of you guys today. The only way I convinced Ken to go along with this was to allow him to actually write his own poem about David O'Darty. I know, I know, the slot is Owen's poems, <laughs> and you're, you're all disappointed in this, but such is my commitment to the written verse that I am willing to hand this prestigious honour over to my colleague, Ken Early. Ken, please. They're also, j- just to paint the scene for the podcast listeners, they found a picture of me where I look like I've just sustained a heavy blow to the head, <laughs> and that has come up behind Ken as he reads this poem. Uh, yeah, I did stick to Owen's um, A, A, A all the way uh, rhyme scheme, so... It's David O'Doherty, he's a giant of comedy. His initials go D-O-D, but one day he'll be D-E-A-D. <laughs> yes, he will be. Uh, on time C, he is cast adrift. With his days, he's been so spendthrift, but he might be a little less miffed if we gave him a parting gift. We thought about aftershave or a beautiful microwave. <laughs> but in the end, we decided, sweet Dave, to make you a gift of your grave. <laughs> As a gift from us to David, Rev will present his very own gravestone. David, very quickly, we're wrapping things up. Your emotions are unbelievable. I've seen few people get to glimpse their own grave, apart from that man from Inish Teague and me. And it's grim, but it's a reminder. Hey, we'll all be dead soon. Let's party. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to David and Sarah and Richie. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks, folks. Breen and David O'Darty, yeah? two of the funniest people in the business at our very own show at the Cat Last Comedy Festival, a serious highlight of 2017 for me. As funny as Dave and Dara were, I had forgotten Ken's readings from the travel writing of Alexi de Tocqueville. Is yeah. that what De Tocqueville. Yeah, de Tocqueville, sorry, yeah. Kilkenny, a little less wretched than Carlo. <laughs> now, I have a sister living in Carlo, 
<laughs> she loves Carlo. I love Carlo. I'll have nothing bad said about it. But this was the 1800s. Yeah. Maybe so, maybe it was wretched back then. Slightly different back it's then. Greatly, you know? It's greatly improved. The it's fa- like a totally different century. <laughs> yeah. The faction fighting described by de Tocqueville was basically hurling. He just stumbled across a hurling match by the sounds mm. of things. Generally speaking, life is of little value here. Well, that's the same in the Kilkenny Club Championship. <laughs> you're not going to score, you know, you're not score I, many goals or points if you're not putting your head in the line and so on. I love Ken's, you know... Uh, uh, ability to ingratiate himself with with any audience that he finds himself in front of. I've had to go back to the 1800s to find something extremely insulting written about your beautiful city, and here it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's well, you know, it's his way of doing it. You know, it's not necessarily everyone's way of doing it, but it is Ken's. No offense to Ken, to you, or to me, Murph, but the best question in that entire show was surely Patrick. Why have you put up this headstone before you've died yourself? <laughs> Carlo Shannon to Patrick Morrissey from Inish Deeg. Yeah, that's a good one, all right. <laughs> Standing be beside his own headstone. What a great idea. It is quite something. You know, if you look over your left shoulder, you can see the headstone we made for David O'Darty. It's in the studio. Oh, give me a second here. Hold on a minute. Don't knock the office down now while I'm trying to get it. I nearly knocked over the McCassick glove. Again, the McCassick glove that saved Donald Trump's life. Yep. The Trump impersonator when U.S. Murph took yeah. him down in our first Liberty Hall show. It is quite. We did present it to David. This is great at the end. You can see why he didn't take it home with him. Though. R.I.P. David O'Darty. You've got a cross there, Celtic cross. Yeah, up the top. Uh, you've rugby got ball, a rugby ball in the middle there with a shamrock on it. Nice touch. Yeah, no branding. I like that. Yeah. Stay. Keep the commercialism out of this. Yeah. Died blank. It's blank as yeah. yet to die. Aged again blank. Uh, Thankfully, still, still with us, still going strong. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm, 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 I can't believe why. It's amazing. It's extremely dark, but uh, yes, yeah. amazing. To hear more of that kind of stuff in 2018, more amazing shows, amazing trips. Not sure exactly what our plans are yet, but I'm sure we'll get out and about plenty. You can sign up to... I'm having a buzz flowing around. They want to not give me a shout. That's it. That's us. That's our pitch to go and travel to a town near you in 2018. Or an island. We like the sound of an island. Yeah. So, we have you know, to do if you're island on an trip. island anywhere and you want to like, hate to break the keys to the yeah. island then. I hate to break it to you, Murph. Yeah. You're on an island right now. Oh, go on, on will you? Yeah. Go on. Sign go up on. at secondcaptains.com. Five a month plus fat to the thousands of you already signed up. We love you. We'll bring you a fresh new show tomorrow. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Owen. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. You too, Wolf. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 